Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. I want to ask you this question. Did you know that 73% of all statistics are made up on the spot? It's crazy. Did you know that 34% of all people already know that? Okay, I got a confession. I am lying to you. I just made up all those statistics right now. Shocker. What a weird way to start off a sermon with a lie, but there's going to be some redemption to that. Sometimes when we hear stats or news or reports, we're naturally skeptical. Anybody naturally skeptical? I don't quite believe that statistic. Where's your source? Where did you get that information? Some of us naturally, we kind of doubt. And on Easter Sunday, we're celebrating that God became human, lived on the earth, healed people, taught us a better way to be human, was arrested, tortured, put on a cross, died, and then three days later overcame death, rose up from the grave, and that's why we say, he is risen. And we're just supposed to all believe that. But I think some of us are skeptical. Is that really historical fact? Was that just made up? Is that just a fairy tale? And and sometimes, especially in environments of the church like this, we can feel guilty for carrying doubt like that. But I want to let you know that in the scriptures, actually one of the 12 followers of Jesus, one of the disciples, there is a disciple named Thomas who did not believe the resurrection at first either. In fact, for 2,000 years of church history, we've labeled him as Doubting Thomas. And to be honest, I think he is the disciple I most relate to, any, any skeptics in the house. And so I'm encouraged that the Bible gives us him as an example to learn from. So Thomas' story is found in John 20. We're going to read it right now. John 20, 19 says this. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came. Now listen, Jesus has just risen from the dead, okay? Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now here's where Doubting Thomas comes uh, into play. Verse 24 says this, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks on his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. You know, I think that Thomas gets a really bad rap, okay, for being doubting Thomas. But here's the deal, you guys. Thomas, the night before the disciples came to him and said, Jesus is alive, he just saw Jesus die on the cross. He saw one of the most excruciating things that you could possibly see. He was grieving. He was just struggling so deeply with the fact that his Savior, who he had spent all this time with, him and his friends had spent all this time with, he was grieving that. So when his friends are like, hey, Thomas, he's alive, and Thomas wasn't in the room when Jesus was there, I kind of think it's understandable, right? 
that he didn't really believe that. That he was like, uh, excuse me, are you kidding me? I just saw our friend Jesus die on the cross. There's no way. There's no way. How could he be alive? So what does Thomas say? He's like, unless I can stick my hands in this, in his wounds, I'm not going to believe this. this. This is pretty unbelievable. Isn't it difficult to believe in something we can't see? Thomas wasn't in the room the first time. And, and so he didn't know. He hadn't seen it like all, he hadn't seen Jesus like all of the disciples had. So I think it's kind of understandable. Have you ever, has someone ever told you something that you just had to see to believe it? Now, here's something that's going on in our marriage, okay? I preached about this a couple weeks ago. We don't just meet here on Easter. We're actually here every Sunday. And in one of the messages I shared a couple weeks ago, I said, sometimes I struggle finding something in the fridge. Anybody with me? It's like I'm looking for the eggs, I'm looking for the bread, and I just can't find it. And so with fear and trembling, I asked my wife to help me. And she gives me very unhelpful advice. She just says, did you look? Wow, okay. Why didn't I think of that? Looking? And so the other day, I was eating some tacos, and I wanted some tortilla chips to go, tortilla chips to go with my meal. And uh, I couldn't find them, so I'm looking through the fridge. I'm looking through the, the bins. I can't find it. And I, I, I shout out, Amritha, where are the chips? I've looked everywhere. We don't have any. Do we have any? I don't think we do, because I, I would have found them, because I've looked through everything. But she didn't believe me. No, so I catch him in the kitchen eating tacos with bread. Anybody else done that? Okay. Am like, I alone? Nobody's gross. ever done that. Gross. Okay. Wow. And so I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I couldn't find the tortilla chips. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, do I really have to go look? Does anyone else have this dynamic in their marriage? Okay, thank you. And so, um, uh, so this is what happened. We actually have a video of this. You guys ready to see this? This is, this is what happened. You can watch this. Stephen is eating bread with his taco meat because he claims that there are no tortilla chips in the house. One, two, three, four, five. For those of you who listened to the sermon a couple weeks ago, I know you feel me. There were five bags of tortilla chips in the house, okay? Like, I don't know. How, this is why we women, we look at them and we say, did you look? Like, how do you miss five bags of I don't know how you tortilla found chips? I really don't. <laughs> you honestly look. This was four days ago. Like, I honestly looked. Yeah, so I was pretty skeptical. I was pretty doubtful. Now, like, by the way, he actually told me that I could put him on blast. So, like, he gave me permission to show this video. But you understand why I was a little skeptical whenever Pradeepan is looking for something in the house and he can't find it. That's why I always say, did you look? Did you look? He is risen indeed. <laughs> You know, that's a funny and kind of a silly example. But to be really honest, some of us have gone through some really painful things. We've gone through some crisis. We've gone through some uh, just times in our lives, let's be real, that have been really, really, really dark and really low and really difficult. And I think that one of the most um, understandable human responses, if we're honest, is to ask some questions, is to say, God, where were you? 
what what was going on like I thought you would help this person or even like the video that we just saw and we actually want to show you another video of loss of a friend we actually had just a couple of friends this last year that had a lot of loss in their life and we don't show you this these videos just for dramatic effect but we show you them because we have to ask the question how do these people keep going and, you know, I think it's really important for us to hear these stories because one of the things that we could do is we could just really talk about all the resurrection things and whatever, but not actually tie it to the pain that all of us actually really experience, right? So I want to show you this video her, uh, of our friend. Her name is Kendra, and she's going to share a story with you of really just kind of a nightmare that she is living and has had to walk through. So I want you to hear and engage in this story with us as well. 2021, I became a widow and a single mother in one moment. The day began so normal, and my husband, Evan, hadn't been feeling good for a few days prior, but it looked like nothing more than a flu, little bug. I didn't realize that day would be our last, our last day together, our last day of moments, you know, holding hands, last time in the car together, last conversation, last time looking into his eyes, you know, one moment. You're going to the ER just to find some relief for this pain. And then the next you see your spouse lying unresponsive on a hospital bed just minutes later. Um, but according to all the tests that were performed, uh, Evan ended up having a rare blood cancer called acute myeloid leukemia. And it took over his body in a matter of days. I mean, there was no stopping it. There was no major indicators that would have made us go in any sooner. And that happened before my eyes. Where I saw him lose function. He couldn't use words anymore. I held his gaze one last time before his head dropped and then he began seizing. And that was finally when some staff, I shouted out, please help, you know, and, people, and staff members were, were on it and getting him stabilized. And then he was kept on the NICU floor for, you know, 15 hours or so until he flatlined all on his own with all of his family in the room. In the, I mean, in a few months after his death, it was intense. Um, when he passed, I was about seven months pregnant actually, with our first, our first baby, a baby girl. Um, 16 days after he passed was his, what would have been his 32nd birthday. Two months after he passed to the day would have been our seventh year wedding anniversary. Seven beautiful years married to that man. And then three months after he passed, almost to the day, I gave birth to our daughter Arlo um, without him and have been raising her since. And now I have a five-month-old, and it's almost been eight months since I lost him. It's just so hard to believe. And this is where I'm so thankful to know Jesus, that my husband loved Jesus, to know where my soul is bound for, that nothing could have brought me greater comfort than to see my husband laying on that hospital bed and know he is with the Lord right now. He is in total perfection and wholeness. And what I lost Evan, far sooner than I could have imagined, right? I was yet again reminded of just how temporal this life is, but then what an amazing eternity that awaits for all of us who are in Christ. That is where God ultimately created us to be. He wants us with him. He wants us to say yes to him. There is a place for us that he has just waiting. And I so look forward to the day where I get to see my Savior and my heaven again. Um, the power of Easter, the miracle of Easter really, reveals a love so personal. There's a song that was, that kind of goes like, you know, when Jesus was on that cross, I was on his mind. And I believe that. I do. Um, and that lastly, it's such a gift. I'm just reminded of, just like how Evan, he was such a gift to me. 
for the eight years that I knew him. He was such a beautiful gift. Just like my daughter Arlo is such a gift. So is God's gift of salvation and grace because it's totally free and beautiful and something for us. It's a gift. And I'm just reminded that every good thing that we have should be thought of as such, as a gift. Something not to take for granted, to appreciate so deeply and to receive with gladness. I hope you all have a very blessed Easter. And I am just so thankful to know the Lord. I'm so thankful for Jesus. Wow. You can see the anguish in this woman's eyes, and many of us can't even imagine what it would be like to walk through what she is walking through, losing her husband, <clears throat> giving birth to their first baby uh, by herself. And, you know, what we don't want to do in this moment is put some sort of placating spiritual bow on a really sad and difficult situation. We honor grief and lament. Did you know that in the scriptures there's a lot of grieving? There's a lot of lamenting that happen all throughout the Bible. But one thing that we have to ask ourselves when we go through these moments of death in our lives is, how do these people keep going? How do you wake up every morning with this kind of grief and just keep living out your life? And maybe you're here this morning and you haven't gone through the loss of a loved one like we've seen in a couple of these videos. But I think that many of us, we do experience death in some way. Maybe it's the death of a relationship, a death of a marriage. Maybe it's the death of a job, losing a job, wondering how you're going to continue to make it in the world. There's these things that make us grieve. Or maybe you're sitting here this morning and, and really what it is is it's a death of hope. I've been there where I've prayed for something for so long and for so many years. You pray for a miracle to happen for your sick child or for your sick relative or you're trying to have a baby and it's just not happening. And all of a sudden, hope just sort of dwindles out and it just feels like a death of hope. Well, this morning, we want to just be honest with you about the human experience and what can happen. But we also want you to know that God has something very significant to tell the, those of us who have gone through some really significant death and significant uh, darkness in our lives. And many of us, our response is to feel skeptical, is to have some doubt. And we want to share with you this morning what we believe God would have for you in your doubt and in your skepticism. First thing that we want to share is this. Jesus isn't afraid of your questions and doubts. When I watch videos like this, sometimes I think, you know what, are they just faking it? Are they just pretending? Like, how could anyone go through a tragedy like that and come out still believing in Jesus? And I, I felt that even as a pastor in my own life. In the scripture about doubting Thomas, I, I love what it says in verse 26. It says, he doesn't believe them, but then in verse 26, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. I love that Thomas was included in the group of disciples, even though he didn't believe in the resurrection yet. He wasn't, uh, uh, like, judged by Jesus. He wasn't judged by his fellow disciples. They didn't criticize him. They just included him. And that's why we lead the kind of church we lead here at Kalos Church. We want to create an environment where you really can belong even before you believe. That in this room, we have a spectrum of people who are strong in their faith, but also people who are questioning and have doubts and skepticism. People who don't quite fully believe in the story. And I, I believe, though, when you ask 
the right questions, you open yourself up to greater answers. And Jesus, he can handle it. He can handle our questions. You know, in my, in my life, you know, my whole life, I think I've been told brown and black don't match. Anybody ever been told that? You can't match brown and black. But then when I pray, I look a bit, little bit deeper. I, I evaluate the, the color of my body and the scheme of my, how God made me. I have brown skin and black hair. I'm like, you know what? I don't believe what the fashion industry would call a truth. Anybody with me? I'm not going to take it anymore because brown and black is the color scheme of my life, of my body, and I like it. Sometimes you just got to question the questions. Sometimes you got to doubt the doubt. And uh, I, I know, though, on a, a serious note, Thomas did not experience the resurrection for himself. Have you ever been in a place in your life where it feels like Resurrection Sunday is for everybody else but me? Like, I'm praying, but this person's getting their prayers answered. Lord, I'm longing, I'm doing all the right things, but this person's family is perfect. This person's career is perfect. Why, why am I like Thomas? Everybody else got to see Jesus in real life, but not me. Have you ever felt that way? I know in my life, even as a, a pastor, you know, when we first started this church, it felt like the doors of pain and death were opened in our lives. Right before we had our first service, Amrita's father suddenly passed away. My sister, who was living in India, got dengue fever and was bedridden for months, went blind for a season in her life. It seems like everyone in our family was getting a divorce, and then our, our son got a, a diagnosis with special needs, and we saw him begin to lose language and his ability to make eye contact with us and throw a ball and play catch. And I was like, God, we're pastors, and we can pray for people, and we see you doing miraculous works. We're seeing you save lives and marriages. We're praying for kids to be born, and they're being born just perfectly healthy. But none of those prayers are being answered for us. What are you doing? Have you ever felt like it's Resurrection Sunday for everybody else but you? I mean, I can't help but wonder if that's what Thomas felt like. But yet, that community included him. Yet, Jesus showed up in his time of need. And so, for those of us in this room who are doubters or skeptics or asking hard questions, I, I think you don't have to be afraid to be in church. You don't have to live in shame or hold your head low just because you have some doubt. But we can pray one of these famous prayers in the scriptures, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? And I just think it's okay. I love this quote by Pastor Tim Keller. A faith without some doubts is like a human body with no antibodies in it. People who blindly go through life too busy or indifferent to ask the hard questions about why they believe as they do will find themselves defenseless against either the experience of tragedy or the probing questions of a smart skeptic. A person's faith can collapse almost overnight if she failed over the years to listen patiently to her own doubts, which should only be discarded after long reflection. And so before we get into the hope of resurrection, I think it's important for us as the church to acknowledge that many of us have faced death that has provoked hard questions. And in that longing for answers, I want to let you know that's okay. Amen. Amen. And you know what? In the doubt and in the skepticism, I know this is really difficult, but I'm going to ask you to do something I ask myself to do in those times. And that is to take a chance on Jesus anyway. 
This is that window of time when you're struggling and you're doubting and you're feeling skeptical and you're not sure where he is to take a chance on Jesus. So number two today is this, reach out even when you think it's over. There's so many times that we think our situation is over. Look at verse 27. Then Jesus, he said to Thomas, put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. You know, I love how Jesus shows up this time knowing Thomas is in the room. He's like, I know that Thomas wasn't in the room, so I want to be there for him to see me too. He shows up when Thomas is in the room. But listen, he still asks Thomas to be a part of a relationship with him. And so what does he do? He says, Thomas, reach out your hand. See, Thomas still had a part to play in all of this. And I think sometimes what we do is we ask God, God, would you reveal yourself to me? God, would you show up in my situation? God, I really need you in my life. But we want him to do all the work. Well, you know what's so great about our God is that he doesn't treat us like we're robots. We get a say in the matter because he loves us. And so he says, hey, reach out your hand. You know, I think that we've got to be willing to put ourselves out there. The Christian faith has always been about taking a bit of a risk and putting yourself out there and saying, I'm going to trust that God is going to be on the other end of my request and my tears and my sadness and my joys. You know, I think it's pretty crazy because Thomas, here he is asking Jesus, this really tall order, to put his hands in his wounds. And I'm just like, wow, if Thomas can ask Jesus that question, you and I could probably pretty much ask Jesus anything, right? Like, that's a pretty huge question. You know, um, I have a three-year-old little girl right now, and she says all these really amazing things. Um, and she's in this, 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 this stage as a three-year-old where she repeats things over and over again, okay? Like she can't realize that I'm like listening to her. So this is something that she'll say. She'll say, Mama, can I have some goldfish? And I'll say, you can have goldfish after you clean up your toys. And then as she's cleaning up her toys, you guys, she just says, Mama, can I have goldfish? Mama, can I have goldfish? Mama, can I have goldfish? I mean, it is incessant. This goes on and on and on and on. And I am like, I hear you. You know, like on and on. And the, the cutest one that she says, we were talking about this last night, she says, Mama, can I hold you? So she's still, um, what she really means is she wants me to hold her. So she's getting her me and you a little bit mixed up. You know, she's still developing a little bit there. And so she's like, Mama, can I hold you? Mama, can I hold you? Meaning, it's I, always Mama. It's always, <laughs> it's always Mama. Can I hold you? Can I hold you? Can I hold you? Can I hold you? And it's just really cute. But unlike Jesus, it's a little bit annoying to me, okay? I'm just going to be honest. I'm not Jesus. I'm not that holy. But Jesus, what I love about Jesus is that I think that he honored Thomas's request. He honored Thomas for having this question and for having this doubt and just saying, you know what, I understand. And I think that I, I, it's like my daughter. You know what I do for my daughter? I show up for her. I love that she reaches out. I love that she comes to me. I love that even though she doesn't speak plain English, she tries because she's coming to me, because she has a relationship with me. I'm her mom. She can trust me. And this is the same way it is with Jesus. Listen, I want you to know today that Jesus is always going to ask you to be a part of discovering who he is. 
You're always going to be a part. You always have a part to play in that. And I know it's a risk. And I know it's scary. But listen, did you know that there's a promise in the Bible that you can lean on? Matthew 7, 7 says this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks the door will be opened to you. I love this. What is Jesus asking you to do? He's asking you to ask, to seek, to knock. And you know what the promise is? He's going to be there. You will find. You will receive. The door will be open to you. This is not a blank promise. This is the promise of Jesus Christ for your life. And he sees you. You know, um, uh, I actually found this painting of Thomas putting his hand in Jesus' wound. I want to show you this. Uh, I looked at this photo earlier this week, and I was, at first I was kind of like, oh, that's kind of gross, you know. But then I looked at it a little bit closer, and I just noticed Jesus' demeanor. And I noticed his face in this picture. And you realize that Jesus was walking around with these garments on where he was covering up his wounds. And here he is in um, the midst of all his disciples, and Thomas is there. And what does he do? He pulls over his robe, and he says, Thomas, reach out. Do what you got to do so that you can believe in me. And Thomas puts his hands in his wounds. And can I tell you that this is the great length that Jesus will go to have you know him? This is what it means. Jesus loves you so much that he will allow this to happen where he would even just say, come reach out to me. God will meet you where you are in order to take you where he wants you to go. He has a plan for your life. He will go to great lengths. How many of you have a hard time asking for help? Raise your hand. If you're somebody that there are way too many people in this room that have a hard time asking for help. Let me just tell you this. The Christian faith is always about us asking and seeking and knocking and for God to be on the other end of that and to meet us where we are. So if you're sitting here this morning and you have hung your head for so long because you feel skeptical and you feel doubtful, listen, you can put your head up high. Because God will meet you exactly where you are. Uh, let me just share this practically. For those of you that are like, how do I really reach out? Okay, I want to reach out to Jesus. Well, for some of you, it might mean that you just need to find a church and you need to go to a church every Sunday. Some of you, you don't have one Christian friend. All your friends are toxic and negative. You need to find some Christian positive people in your life. For some of you, it maybe just means you pray maybe a couple times a day. You just say a couple of sentences to God and you pray. This is really practical. How do we reach out to God? There's just some practical things that we can do, but I encourage you to reach out to Jesus. I want to end this point with this quote by Charles Spurgeon. It says this, to risk all with Jesus is to end all risk. Amen? So then what happens to Thomas after he looks at the wounds of Jesus, and this is where I'm very encouraged. Doubting Thomas becomes believing Thomas. In verse 27, it says, reading this again, then Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And so doubting Thomas becomes believing Thomas. We still call him doubting Thomas, but he ended his life believing. In fact, in the scriptures, he's one of the first people to call Jesus God. He says, my Lord, 
my God. And then Thomas goes on to become one of the first missionaries ever to the country of India where he died there. In fact, he was speared in India for not renouncing his faith. And he died, though, believing in Jesus that strongly which I'm so encouraged by. And so I believe that this can be our story today. And this is why we spend a lot of time looking at the cross because we see how much God loves us, how he was willing to be wounded for us. And by looking at his wounds, we realize we can believe in God too. And my prayer is that today you wouldn't just celebrate Easter with us. Yeah, we got a lot of great kids activities. We got balloons and treats and pictures, all of those things. But our prayer is you wouldn't just celebrate Easter with us, but you would experience it for yourself. And I I love this scripture in Romans 8, which is a great description of why we celebrate Easter. It says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. And all we have to do to receive this kind of life is by believing in Jesus. Jesus says in John 11, The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? I know sometimes it's hard to believe in the words of Jesus. But what's the alternative? Living a life without hope? Giving in to despair? Believing that tomorrow is just going to get worse? And the day after that's going to get worse. But the beauty of Easter is we believe that death does not have to win in our lives. We believe that where in life we're living with a period, God is putting a comma because the story is not over yet. And uh, this is really personal for me. The first time we got pregnant, a couple years into marriage, we're so excited. It's going to be the first grandchild on my side of the family. We're doing all the calls. We're showing people, hey, we're going to have a baby. Here's, here's a picture of an ultrasound. Everybody's excited, rejoicing. But then a little bit later, we ended up losing that baby. And so I, we're diving into the, the Friday death, the, the hopelessness. Did we do something wrong? Will we ever be able to have a kid? Are we disappointing people? What, what's going on here? And I just remember I went into a a time of prayer. I was just seeking the Lord, reaching out, reaching into his wounds and hoping that he'd reach into my wounds. And I I remember I felt like the Lord spoke to me. You're struggling to build your physical family. I want you to focus on building your spiritual family. Start a beautiful church in a beautiful place. In fact, that's why this is called Kalos Church because Kalos means beautiful in Greek and Bellevue means beautiful view. So right here, right now, all of us gather today, we are a beautiful church in a beautiful place, just like I felt like the Lord spoke to me. And it was like in that just vulnerability, feeling like, man, we're we're pastors and we pray for everybody and they're experiencing goodness and they're having babies and they're having the life that we wanted. And like, Jesus, why aren't you here for us? But we just leaned into that lament. We leaned into that pain. And Living without hope is a horrible life, and we clung on to that hope the best we could. And, and I'm thankful, like not every area of our life is remedied, but right now we have two beautiful children. We're seeing these promises come true, and I'm so glad we didn't give up on life. 
We're seeing the fruit of this beautiful community. We're seeing marriages saved. We're people who have said we wanted to end our own lives, but we're giving life another chance. We're seeing people who had a death sentence on their life, but the power of Jesus flowed through their life. And we're seeing miracles. We're seeing life. And there are times where we're living in that moment where we don't see Jesus for ourselves. But I'm telling you what, there are times where we're seeing Jesus does show up and her story is not over. And that's the good news of Easter, that miracles are coming. They might not come this month or next month or this year or next year, but we know that in light of eternity, Jesus wins and he has overpowered death itself and you are no different. He has life for you where you feel like death is winning. Can I just ask you to believe in hope again? Can I ask you to believe that Jesus wants to be alive in your life? In your doubts, please turn to Jesus. He's worth it. In your skepticism, please turn to Jesus. He's worth it. And if you have questions, I want to let you know we have a community here where you're welcome to belong even before you believe. You can go on this journey of going through the hard moments and the good moments, asking big theological questions and asking personal questions of heartache. That's the kind of community we want to be. We love that the disciples included Thomas, and so did Jesus. Amen. And so why don't we bow our heads down and pray. Dear Lord, I, I thank you so much for this moment. And I just pray for everybody here who feels like death is winning. And life is painful, whether it's in a financial situation or a health diagnosis, whether it's in a lost relationship. Lord, I just pray over everybody here that death will not have the final answer. Lord, I pray that you bring life and life abundantly, that nothing be stolen, killed, or destroyed in these people's lives, in all of our lives, Lord. And we thank you that you have risen, Lord. We thank you for your love. In the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.